Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to Last Mountain to our football podcast week 11 preview. Thank you for joining us. Jeremy Moss hanging out with Matt Kennerly. MWR.com is our website. Apparently, everybody knows that, at least almost everybody, because, hey, people are stopping by. That's nice. Thank you for that, as always. Yes, and sticking around, too. That's always appreciated as well. So, week 11. November, November football seems to where crazy happens. Is that um, That's what I've noticed the past couple of years. Or probably forever, right? Yeah, I mean, things are always a little bit unpredictable. I would say we'll see what happens. Like this is not a foreshadowing of picks for anything for the Friday night game at all. I'm not trying to give you more anxiety, Matt, about the big game tomorrow night or Friday <laughs> night, I should say. But you just see how it is. It's like, especially the Mountain West, where they scheduling games. Like, so if you look ahead a couple weeks, they're putting divisional games, so it's not going to be a repeat of last year, back to back games. So mm-hmm. that is going to cause some drama. But man, are you um? Not looking at your Fresno Boise game, are you still ex- very excited for the week? Oh yeah, I mean I'm always excited for football. I'm always excited as well. But let's uh, let's let's tone the excitement down because we have to talk playoff bowls for a moment. Sadly, we do. Do we? Is that, <laughs> do people want to hear our rants? <laughs> I mean, we're not contractually obligated to, but uh, I think it is worth a mention. All right, so here's the deal: you were spot on for your pre- your rankings, even though you probably were. Should I type this? Is that really going to happen? But apparently, you're correct. Utah State got the shaft again. Yeah, and if you didn't read the article, I'll just mention again what I, the the comp that I made for this year's Utah State team that I think is pretty close, fairly or unfairly, to how they've treated past teams. And the comp I came up with was that um, it was the 2014 Marshall Thundering Herd. And for those of you who don't recall, basically, you know, they were a team that had been ranked in both the AP and the college polls. Um, well ahead of the time that they cracked the top 25 of the college football playoff. You know, they ran through a schedule that kind of like Utah State's had ranked in the in the triple digits nationally. Um, you know, they were playing great defense. They had uh, there was the uh, the last Rakim Cotto uh, team, if you don't remember that. But then they, you know, of course, they ran into trouble in the title game against Western Kentucky. You know, lost the undefeated season, lost their spot in the top 25 and I mean, I'm not to say that that's going to happen again, but I think that they're treating the Aggies in kind of the same way. You know, never mind the fact that, you know, I don't know how much they're taking away from a close loss or not. It just didn't seem to make sense to me that Utah State could be so dominant, especially in like you know, halves of games or not three, three, three quarters of games. Like, come whereas, watching. And I mean, I'll just go back to that whole you know margin of victory kind of thing. Like, I think... I haven't done the math recently, but I'm still pretty certain that Utah State owns a better margin, average margin of victory than Fresno State does. So to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense that both of these teams could be in the exact same position and one could be ranked and the other would not be. Looking really quick, um, 
margin of oh sorry, so it gets a spread. I'll find that in a moment here. I thought I was there. But you're right. But also if you look at strength of schedule, they're not too far apart. The if you want to compare losses, Utah State has a much better loss, right? Like Michigan State goes from unranked to eighteen and they have three losses. I mean, unless you're taking their kind of their non-conference slate into account, I think that maybe you can make an argument that beating Toledo, um, you know, especially since they won a couple in a row, the Rockets are maybe a little bit better win than any well, they that did they lose Utah last State night? had. They got beat by Northern Illinois the other day. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay, well, now disregard that. They're back to 500. <laughs> But, Sorry to um, that, but uh, no, no, that's that's perfectly fair. But I mean, you know, if you look back at Utah State's non-conference schedule, like New Mexico State hasn't really done much of anything. Um, you know, Tennessee Tech, of course, is an FCS team that's not going to move the needle. Um, and then maybe having beaten Nevada gives Fresno State a little bit of an edge. But again, I just don't better. see where that is the difference of at least three spots because we're talking about that. You know the, hypo- the hypothetical twenty sixth spot that the that the committee isn't accounting for. I just I considering on, the entire through, picture. That, I that don't really, see much of a Utah. difference. I'm serious. That's probably like University of Utah. Like if they're arguing between Utah and Utah State, come on. Like if it's if they're going to go that deep because Utah State's probably considered for those like there's five teams. Like okay, who should be twenty fifth? You got what Utah State is what Washington Drake now aren't they in the top twenty five? Yes. So I don't know. It's like it's. I, I don't get it because I found margin of victory. Currently, Utah State is third in the country ahead of Fresno by one point. However, so see, yeah, the last so, three, Fresno's 35-plus, Utah State's 29, or basically 30-plus. Still, Fresno has an edge outside of only Clemson the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But I like I, I know I remember the Marshall game. I'm looking up here because they were undefeated, and they didn't get rigged. I remember at one point in the playoff poll, Boise State was one loss ahead of Marshall. Yeah, they didn't get ranked until the penultimate rankings. Yeah, because I believe I that was we week to. 14. It's like, I guess we got to put this team there somewhere, right? And they're doing yeah. what Utah State was doing. Like, I have their schedule here, 42-27, whatever, that's FCS team, this next one. But, like, 44-14, 48-17, 50 46-14, 49-24. Like, their closest game was UAB twenty when they had a team before they disbanded for a couple years, 23-18. Uh, it's... I don't know. I'm looking at just Sagarin to see where Marshall is at that year compared to Utah State. Marshall was 23rd in Sagarin that year. And I think that... And if you you're know, obviously not the week by week, but I don't and, know. And by comparison, I know that Utah State, I think, is lagging a little bit behind in the Sagarin standings at this point. But I'm pretty sure they're slightly ahead of where Marshall was uh, in the S&P rankings by that point. Because Marshall, by that point, had reached the top 10. And I think Utah State is right around that. I can't remember the off the top of my head. For overall S&P Plus? Yeah. So, looking like, I, yeah, I know the Marshalls comparison is pretty good. But also, if they're, like, they say they watch games. I, we know they're not watching the entirety, entirety of games because that's too ridiculous to watch. However, I don't know. Like, there's probably, what, 35 teams you're considering, you would say, in that range? I would think so, yeah. So, so maybe 40 at most. So, they're watching condensed games, obviously. They have obviously full time jobs. Some are high profile, high like aren't a lot of these ads and stuff. They got they got other stuff going on. So, how much are they getting of this game tape to watch? Okay, let's watch uh, because obviously the top four is the only thing that really matters. Are they only watching these teams? Oh, Utah State only getting good for them. But are they how closely are they watching? Okay, Alabama wins. They're watching a lot of the Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, Michigan, Northwestern, Notre Dame, K 
Kentucky gag playing Georgia. You know what I mean? Georgia. It's like how much time are they really spending at the bottom of the spot when they already have their group of five team in the mix in UCF? Like, so then, and so it, then if, the, if the top four is the only thing that matters, then what are we even doing? Well, it's like Danny Cannell put on CBS. Like, it's just an invitational. It's not a playoff, which is very true. Like, if the top four is the only thing that matters, why are we trying to rank 25 teams? Why are we just not ranking a top four? Because it's a TV show and people watch it like I did the other night. <sighs> I mean, work, that's just – that's such BS, though. See, what they – And I mean, and I, mean, I, I, mean I know that we've, we've, we've given UCF a lot of grief, too, but it doesn't make any sense that they're still 12th. It doesn't make any sense that Kentucky can lose by three scores. And not move a to, spot. And, and, and not even fall behind them. It doesn't make sense that LSU could lose, which, by the way, LSU has lost to Bama at this exact same junction like five years in a row. Every well, single year of this game, college. Remember that one versus two? <laughs> and they and they fell further when they lost 10 to nothing than they did losing 29 to nothing last weekend. I actually, it was not close. I just had to watch because I've watched a little bit of Alabama. Like, they're crushing everybody. It's watched a little bit here and there. I watched like the whole first half and LSU couldn't do much of anything. LSU is not a top ten team. They're a fraud, and this. But the, it's going to take the committee like another two weeks to figure that out. So what what has to happen for Utah State to move it and get get respect? Like they play San Jose State this week, they're a thirty one point favorite. Like here's the thing, like really quick, going back to what they're watching, how much are you really watching? Like let's pull up Alabama and Utah State just because they're both doing similar things to their opponents, steamrolling and not being um, contested at all outside of the. Wyoming game in Michigan State for Utah State and their wins basically how much do you need to watch of Alabama okay we'll watch the first half because that's all it matters if they're getting condensed 10 minutes of every game that's still a lot of football to watch what are they sending what is you what are they watching from Utah State the first half where the starters are playing they're not watching the third quarter when they're putting in their second and third string guys when they're up 56 to zero against Hawaii what are yeah. if they're watching this part of Utah State they should be what are they watching like you're going to watch when it's how the game begins, how they keep going. You're not going to watch the fourth quarter where if you just glance at the box score and take two seconds, like, okay, Jordan Love played this. Oh, I see Columbia playing. He had ten, five passes. He ran the ball four more times. Oh, he must have played at least the fourth quarter. They're not going to dive deep, watch the whole game, because what are you learning if you win 56-17 to or 56-10? to 10? So I don't know. If, I mean, I think I think if there's upside for Utah State, it's the exact same out. upside as last week. It's that the teams at the bottom of this week's top twenty-five, you know, they do. Have, there's no gimmies among the games in the in the top twenty-five, and maybe that's a good segue toward talking about games to keep an eye on throughout the weekend. Before we get to that, real quick, I want to bring up okay. two things. I put in the recap article because I had it going, and thanks for calling to basketball. They saved my bacon for an hour, so I can actually get something up quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Being out and about. Also, David Pollock. Pay attention. He was so flustered during that broadcast because that Indianapolis at halftime, like or in between games, like dude, get it together. But two things to mention because we have our good favorite Iowa State team still had a Fresno State. God, don't let's not talk about no, that. No, I, I I need to bring this up because I, I I put in the article, so I'm looking like okay, straight to schedule, Big Twelve, Mountain West. Okay, we know who has advantage, right? But you're playing Kansas. Fresno State played UNLV. I'm like okay, let's see. Going into the game, both teams. UNLV and and um excuse me Kansas were Kansas was 101 S&P plus and they moved up after losing like two spots. Mm-hmm. You know do you want to know where UNLV was Matt? Uh why don't you just tell me? 107. Yeah. So Yeah, if, I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying like if you look just take a glance like I don't know what they're looking at but 
We know Kansas isn't good. They fired their coach. They have been playing a little bit better. But if they're using these extra inf- extra information, not just wins and losses, because and in the eyes of the committee, they should be considered the same. Both teams have losing records, right? You would think so. No, I'm just I'm just saying. So so what games? I don't know. There's too many losses last week. Whatever. I'm just still thinking about Michigan State moving up after beating whoever they beat. I don't know. Um, yeah, and I, and I think I, I can't remember if I actually put it out there on Twitter. But it makes me think that, like, the committee realized, oops, maybe we should have ranked Michigan State last week. And, like, that was a makeup. Because there's, I mean, there's nothing in Michigan State's schedule that suggests they should have jumped at least, what is it, eight spots? Yeah, unranked to, yeah. Unranked From to unranked to number 18. So assuming they were number 26, first team out that or something best. like that. Which they weren't. There's nothing in that schedule oh. that suggests that should have happened. And they beat Maryland, who has been a train wreck, and fired their coach after bringing him back. Yeah. I don't know. Like... They, I don't know, they have their. So, Penn State is their best win, which is fine and good. And Penn State's not even that good. They, yeah, they're kind of falling. They're going down. They beat Purdue solid. They, they're uh, second. They're a second tier three three loss power five team. Yeah, they lost to Arizona State, man. Yeah, just saying. Arizona State's not bad. They beat Utah, which I'm ashamed of. But uh, Pac Pac twelve South leading Arizona State. If I'm not, not mistaken, do not bring that up to me. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> no. sorry. Really quick note, you've probably seen this. There's a way for like a six-way tie in the Pac-12 South. I know. That's beautiful. Carnage. And it could be four. Can't months. wait. Uh, we'll see. I, I like chaos, but I'd like Utah. If there's a tie, come on, Utes. We're t- really quick side note. We're doing the um, crank of the numbers here. Sorry, let me mute that here. Um, there's a way Utah could be eight and five and go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> that but let's get to our games here. What games? Um, obviously, we'll get to Fresno, Boise. But what other games match do we focus on? Because last so, week it didn't work. It did not work last week at all. So speaking of uh, Michigan State, they do host number ten Ohio State. So there's a pretty good chance that if the Buckeyes beat the Spartans badly enough, they'll be bounced right back out. Or it's only a three point favor for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. Is Navy going to beat UCF? Good question. Um, and then, and that's 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, Pacific time. Both games are actually, so yeah. Yeah, and also uh, Wisconsin at number 20, Penn State. If we're if we're rooting for the Nittany Lions to get bounced, that's a really good opportunity. Um, I mean, let's be real, 12:30 uh, Pacific time. Number one, Alabama is going to pants Mississippi State, and they're probably still going to be ranked. Which at four whatever. losses, will they be at four losses? Do you think they yeah, will be a seven, a six of four Mississippi State team will be ranked. I mean, they've been ranking a whole bunch of three-loss teams. I'm not going to be surprised if a few of these teams lose and they're still ranked. Hey, Matt, the Bulldogs, these Mississippi State Bulldogs, they have beaten a Texas A&M team who's ranked at some point this year. Who cares? <laughs> they lost to Kentucky 28-7 when Kentucky was okay at that time. And then uh, uh, that same hour on Fox, uh, Northwestern at number 21, Iowa. The uh, the Wildcats, if I'm not mistaken, they still control their destiny in the Big they Ten West. Are I believe they're division leading Big Ten West. They went out and they're in the championship game, right? Uh, it's, I believe that's correct. And then uh, Baylor at Iowa State. Uh, that's also at 12:30 on Fox Sports One. Basically, your morning is is preoccupied watching football flip, flipping around on the West Coast here. And then if you're looking for something a little bit later in the afternoon, um, Auburn, there's a Georgia? couple. Yeah, I don't know about – yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, Auburn loses. They're going to drop out, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know. Kentucky lost and stayed the same, so. And then at 4.30 Pacific time, you got number 19, Texas, at Texas Tech. 
that's usually something that gives them a little bit of a headache. And then uh, number two, Clemson at number 17, Boston College at 5 p.m. on ABC. There's a lot of opportunities here. I think the biggest opportunity, not going to say game specific, but all these three lost teams, if they lose, there's no way they can all be ranked. I, I mean, they, they found a way to they found I, a way to rank all these three lost teams. So I, I have no idea. But, but you get my point. Like, like there are. Let me roll scroll back through here. Michigan State could have four losses, and these are all underdogs as well. So if they somehow they all lose, which is probably not likely, but they, Penn State has three losses. They could lose. Michigan State obviously three losses. They could lose. Mississippi State would have four losses because they are going to lose. You have also um, I don't know about Kentucky, whatever, but Iowa. Three all. But here's the thing: Northwestern probably be ranked if they beat Iowa, right? At four there's losses. also a very, there's also a very good chance that Wisconsin could be ranked if they manage to beat. Uh, what's Wisconsin record? Yeah, yeah. yeah Wisconsin six and three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, look how many teams with four losses. Are they really going to bypass a one loss teams? It's going to be really stupid. I think one way or the other. Um. As, so also, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting mad again just thinking about it. Let me ask it. you this. So. Hype scenario here, really quick before we get to our games, actually, that we're talking about. If, let's say, half of these uh, teams with three losses lose, which is what, four, I think I said, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say just a split, which is possible for how close these lines are. Would that be enough to get Utah State ranked? Uh, I think it would depend on which yeah. ones. Sure. Well, okay, Mississippi State for sure, but there's six. I don't, I don't want to get through too deep, but some are going to lose, but if there's a. Let me put it this way. If there's a single four-loss team ranked, I'm going to find Bill Hancock and hunt him down. <laughs> All right. Um, that's, also, a, that's, a good, that's a good note to end that discussion on. Also, our buddy Logan Jones, who does Utah State stuff, he had a conversation with Bill Hancock a while ago that should be up on the site soon. Basically, yeah. He had a long Twitter feed on it, so if you find him, what is, it? What is he, L? Oh, geez, I have another Twitter handle. Um, I'll retweet it later again from our, our site account or my account, but he's going to put something up about Basically, it was a mess, <laughs> the conversation about going through. Even though I've talked to Bill Hancock before, he's a super nice guy, but he's a he's a, a shield or a lackey, a talking mouthpiece for the playoff. I test. Yeah, Utah State. Whatever, like whatever man. They should be fourth, come on. They should. UCF lose. Um, all right, let me – okay, well, no, we'll do this next time because I don't want to do too much more of this. Let's get to games. Let's do it. Fresno State, 23rd. Kudos. I'll give a small clap for between 23rd. Thank you, committee, for ranking them. At Boise State. Current line, two and a half for Fresno State. So it moved down. It was, it's opened at two and a half, went to three, back to two and a half. That sounds about right. Over-under is only 53 and a half. That seems a bit low, right? I think. A little. Well, no, actually, that sounds about right. Well, the last, last two times. It wasn't the last year, 17-14, and then like 27-21. Yeah, I don't have those numbers off the top of my head in front of me, but I know that uh, at least the championship game last year was an under for sure. Yeah. Also, Friday night game at the Blue Turf on Albertson Stadium, 7.15 Pacific, 8.15 Mountain Time, ESPN2. Um, All right, so where do we begin for this game? Because this is clearly a huge game, which will have a deciding factor more so for the Mountain Division than the West Division for who wins. That's pretty true. Because Utah State isn't losing until they play Boise State. I don't think so. And no. so if Boise State loses, I know our buddies Raj and Colin, everybody's listening, Eric, if, I'm saying if, they're not going to win the division. Because I don't think they can. Right? 
Utah State's yep. not losing twice. So that's a big indicator. If Fresno wins, it's still a closing course with them in San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Because Aztecs, um, they lost, wait, they lost to Nevada, right? Am I correct on that? Uh, yes, they did. Yeah, that's right. So that would be – it's still – they could still win out and get there because tiebreaker, obviously. So Fresno, if Fresno loses, obviously it goes toward Boise, Utah State, and Fresno is still in the same boat than they are if they win or lose compared for the t- conference title. So what's your biggest thing? You wrote the keys for this game for the Fresno side. What's your mm-hmm. – what are those for uh, for them to uh, come away victorious for the first time since 1984 in Boise, Idaho? See, the thing about this game is when I was thinking about the keys, it was really hard to think of just three, three things. Homer. Be- <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's that's not having to do anything with that. Let's put that out okay. there right now. I know. No, it's just because these two teams, aside from the, uh, the rash of injuries that Boise State has had, are more or less the teams that I expected them to be coming into the season. And so it was hard for me to think of something that was different from what I thought back in August. And so, I mean, the first thing I started with was the offensive line because there's you know some concerns about the health, especially of the right side of the offensive line because they've been pretty sturdy overall since losing Natani Muti earlier in the year. But they've had to start three different guys at right tackle in the last few weeks. They're expecting Cyrus Tuatele to be back, I believe, on Friday. But when you're considering that, you know, even with the injuries that Boise State has, that they're, they're, they're one of their biggest strengths is the pass rush is still very much intact. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, one of the big things that this game is going to start with is how well Jabril Frazier and Curtis Weaver can play against an offensive line that by and large you know i think you can probably throw utah state into this conversation but when it comes to pass protection i would say that they've probably been the best in the conference Don't they because have of this five allowed only right isn't that correct yeah i think yeah. marcus marcus mcmarion's uh sack rate right now is about 1.5 percent it's ridiculous but, of course, they haven't really faced very many pass rushes quite like the one that Boise State's going to bring to the table. So, I mean, I see that. And then I also see opportunities for Fresno State's strengths on offense to line up really well with some of the weaknesses that the Broncos are facing now. Because one of the other things I mentioned was the fact that, and I, this is something that we talked about a little bit last week, the Bulldogs have done a very good job of distributing the football to their tight ends and their running backs. And for all of the injuries that the Broncos have suffered, I'm starting to think that losing Riley Wimpy at, at middle linebacker is going to be a very big deal because it wouldn't surprise me to see the Bulldogs get rid of the football quickly, you know, get their running backs out in space, especially someone like Ronnie Rivers, who's proven to be kind of the big play guy. You know, since he's come back from injury, you know, he's averaging about six yards per carry, uh, nearly seven highlight yards per opportunity, which is basically just when he's getting to the next level, how many yards is he getting far and away? He's the best among the runners in that regard. And he's also averaging about 16 yards per catch out of the backfield. So I think that Boise State's going to have to pay attention to him when he's on the field one way or the other. Yeah. But I think that I think that, you know, beyond him, I think that Jared Rice could also have a very big game as well. You know, he I think trails only Josh Oliver as far as receptions among Mountain West tight ends. But, you know, if, if they choose to attack up the seams between the numbers, 
you know, that I think is where they've been hit hardest by injuries, not only with with Wimpy, but with, uh, you know, DeAndre Pierce is gone. Uh, Kikoa Nawahini's not having quite the same year that he had last year. They're starting a redshirt freshman Tyreek Jones at the other safety spot now. And, you know, they're having to replace Wimpy with a redshirt freshman and a senior who, have, you know, they've seen a little bit of playing time this year. But I think that makes for a very interesting matchup that if the Bulldogs can exploit it, you know, that is going to put Boise State on its heels pretty early. All right. I, I think you're correct. So let's get to because the defense or Boise, let's talk about who they're missing. They who are they? They missed a couple guys for the year, right? Yeah. So we mentioned Pierce. We mentioned Wimpy. They're also missing David Moa. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, David Moa. Okay, I, I must have not heard you say Wimpy. So. And then uh, Sonatani Louis missed a few games. Um, you know, Tyson Maeva has missed a couple weeks, although he's back in the lineup the last couple weeks. You know, Avery Williams has struggled with injuries. You know, Tyrone Horton, of course, missed some time earlier this season. So I mean, and Durant Miles too, I think. Uh, I think so as well. So. This all like who they're playing like what would be like going through who because I watched when you watch the here's my concern about why I'm leaning Fresno here. Boise played bad versus BYU. Like they had opportunity they should have they should have handled BYU because their offense is just garbage and their defense came up big at the end to stop BYU from winning that as I mentioned through my speed reading preview after I was like oh I talked too quick but like watching what was going on like Boise it's. Clearly, clearly they're a step behind from what they've been in years past. But looking at who they played mm-hmm. offensively, like they held Nevada to only 31 points. Is it really Nevada the best? Oh, I guess Oklahoma State. Are those the two best offensive teams, right? Oklahoma State and Nevada? I think you could probably make that argument, yeah. And so where does Fresno line up against those? Like, are they going to be better than Oklahoma State's offense? Yes. They're more – here's the reason why. I think you're great. More, more reasons why. You can mention they're more versatile, tight end. Multiple running backs. McMarion is very good. Keyshawn Johnson might be the best receiver Boise's faced all year. Close to it. So, it's, uh, I think, I don't know, because I know we got recency bias from watch week to week, but what they did last week just doesn't give me any confidence in what, their defense played fine, but they maybe it's more of the offense I'm looking at why they should be better, but I just don't know if this defense can, losing three key players, even though they keep losing the guy week after week. Do they have enough guys? Like, I know Tyler Horton will be really good. They have Jabil Frazier really good. They have, them, I think they have, what, three of the top five sack rush, sack guys in the conference, somewhere in that range, top five. Mm-hmm. So they have guys, but I think what's going to come down to, for a defense, if they're going to make a play, is can they sack McMarion? And are they going to throw it toward Tyler Horton? Because he seems to make a play the past three weeks. He has the fumble last week. When that was it, that Matt Bushman diving catch, whatever mm-hmm. interception, a pick six, he's done that. So, for I think Fresno has some options where okay, we don't get to Keyshawn as often just because not that you stay away from him because you don't want to do that because he's really good, but maybe you throw the ball to the tight end, you give them more running plays, you throw to somebody else on this team. I think there's too many options for Boise for Fresno's offense for Boise to to focus on. They can't focus on one or even two things. They have like three to four things each play they have to focus on. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the things I just generally mentioned was testing the linebackers and coverage. You know, one thing that I didn't mention in the preview is, you know, why not just run crossing patterns and really try to test the linebackers with Jameer Jordan and Micaiah quick over the middle and, you know, get them the ball five, seven yards down, you know, between the numbers and see what happens. Yeah. So I, 
I think, like, if you look between those two units, I think they're really close, but I think you got to get first of the edge to be better offensively compared to Boise's defense. But here's the thing, though. What what's, what do you got for me? I mean, you I mean, you mentioned that you weren't exactly inspired by last week's offensive showing. I know BYU's defense is good, so don't get me wrong, but it's still, I'm like, come on. Because he started off 14-0 and then kind of let up after that and kind of wasn't too, all that good when they're leading when they should have ran BYU off the field. But I'm also going to say that, you know, in the last two games that they lost, Oklahoma State and San Diego State, they came back. And, you know, even though the Nevada game was a little shaky as far as turnovers were concerned, you know, they've shown an ability to get the offense back on track. You know, they did it on the road at Wyoming. They did it on the road at Nevada. And so, you know, for all of the defensive numbers that I could throw out there for the Bulldogs, you know, the other thing I mentioned is that they just they haven't faced this kind of talent at the skill positions, especially at wide receiver this year. Like they were able to shut down Toledo. They were able to kind of keep Hawaii in check after a couple of early hiccups. But, you know, John Hightower is very quietly one of the best receivers in the Mountain West. You know, he seems like he's making highlight catches every single, you know, week. You know, Sean Moster is the only guy among their top three or four receivers as far as targets are concerned that has a catch rate under what is it 70 percent you know aj richardson has a catch rate of 79 70.9 percent hightower's got a 69.8 percent ct thomas who maybe we haven't talked about enough he's got a catch rate of almost 77 percent so i mean we could talk all we want about the, the bulldogs defense but they're going to get tested down the field by brett rippon and so i feel like you know, I hate to come back to the same talking point over and over, but we saw how he was the difference in both of these matchups last year in that, you know, he wasn't quite on target enough in the in the in the game in Fresno to end the regular season, but that he made just enough plays in the championship game if Boise stayed over the top. And I honestly would not be surprised if, you know, for all of the hits that he might take, you know, if he can stand in there and sling it down the field. You know, these guys on the outside for Boise State are good enough to, you know, rally the Broncos from a from a deficit if they face it. So, OK, when we look at this. I think you're right, because well, last year it was the. Uh, did he have picked? Well, I guess the title game was just the interception, right? That was kind of the doing in because he didn't McMurray wasn't doing all that well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this offense on this Fresno State offense is leaps and bounds oh, better yeah, yeah, yeah. from what it was. I, yeah. but, but Boise State's offense hasn't really been diminished at all in the last few weeks, I, at least to me. I, you know, we I think that the BYU game is maybe more of an aberration than we're likely to see on Friday night. Well, but think about it, before, like I don't know, but look, look at Nevada. I know Malik Reed got to him. That's why that's part of it too. I think if they can get to Ripon, that's going to be probably. The most okay, two things like I know we're gonna bounce around, but the two biggest things for me is when you look at San Diego State game, Nevada game, and Oklahoma State game, all three had in common. Rippon got like beat up, he got hit, he got sacked, pressured. Pretty sure Fresno State could do that, right, Matt? You think? Maybe you would think maybe they have a good chance, I would say. I mean, I, I think it depends on where the pressure is coming from and you know how often they decide to blitz because at least last week. You know, it was the linebackers that really stepped up and made a lot of plays as far as bringing pressure at UNLV. Um, so, I mean, they could bring four or five guys, but of course that leaves less guys in coverage against sure. Brett Rippon. Yeah, my who's point is. More than willing to take his, who's more than willing to stand in there and take a shot if it means coming up with 20 or 30 yards. Yeah, but those games he didn't come up with those half the time. 
it, and to me, it's one of those 50-50 propositions because while Fresno State's been very good about protecting McMarion, Boise State's offensive line, you know, even with the switches that they made a couple weeks ago, they they put two new guys in the starting lineup on the right side of the line. And their sack rate has been more or less the same as it was before that. It's right around the national average. It's a 60th overall. You know, it's a little bit better on passing downs when when it's more obvious that Rippon's going to step back and throw than it is on than it has been on standard downs. But you know, I think Ezra Cleveland is going to be a rock. I think that Michael Walker, for as good as he's been, is going to have trouble if he's up against him on 30 or 40 plays. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if they choose to move him around or if it's the other guys on the line, like, you know, Kwame Jones, for instance, had a big play last week. You know, can he step up and be a contributor or are they going to bring, you know, more pressure from someone like George Helmuth from the linebacker position? Because they've seen, we've seen them do that a couple times this year. You know, he has three sacks, James Bailey has two sacks. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they attack this offensive line. Because even if they get past him, there's no guarantees of success. True, because like I said, he'll, he'll take the hit and throw the ball down the field. But yes. I think that's I would rather risk that than let him give him because we've seen how good Rippon can be when he has time to throw the ball. Why would you want to allow not all the time, but like the fifty fifty proposition you mentioned, I think you get a better chance of attacking and getting the hand up or pushing him around than dropping seven guys. I mean, I think how those situation plays out is going to have a huge difference because, you know, Rippon was pretty much nails in those same situations last week in passing downs. You know, uh, he was 11 of 17 for 119 yards. The week before that, when they had to hold off Air Force, he was 9 of 15 for 215 yards. So he's shown a propensity to make plays even when a defense knows what's coming. That's true. All right. So, anything else we need to discuss? Or we is it prediction time? Any other nuggets we need to mention? Um, Not that I can think of. I would say, if, I, don't, I don't know. It's this will be a good one. That's reason. Actually, can I can I mention one more thing? Of course. This could be another instance where special teams makes a difference. Oh, we should mention that, shouldn't we? We should because Boise State uh, hasn't been too great that on that this year. It's going to be really interesting to see how much confidence they have in Hayden Hogarth because both teams have been pretty good about finishing drives. Like Fresno State is is 20th as far as points per trip inside the 40, and Boise State's 25th. So like when they've marched down the field more often than more often than not, they've been able to score touchdowns. But I think that Fresno State might have more confidence in Asa Fuller than Boise State does in uh, with Hogarth because. You know, Hogarth hasn't really had much range on a lot of his kicks. I'm trying to pull up the numbers right now. Um, he's only five of eight on attempts from within 40 yards. And both of them combined are only three of eight from over 40 yards. So I'm kind of thinking that this is a game where we already know both these teams are super proficient on third downs. They've also been really proficient on fourth downs as well so i think when the chips are down especially in that you know 40 to 30 yard range i don't think either team is going to hesitate to put the ball in their quarterback's hands and tell them to make a play True. but how but how they make those plays is i think going to look different because i wouldn't be surprised if boise decides to try to go for a bigger chunk of field and you know whereas fresno state settles to just try to move the chains but obviously i could be wrong about that it's really quick about red zone proficiency 
Fresno State score or that's sorry, that's San Diego State. Third, they've been they've been in the red zone the most out of any Mountain West team outside of Utah State. They've scored thirty nine times, seven field goals, thirty two TDs out of what's that ninety eighty eight percent. Boise State. I know it's only a five percent difference, but and they played the same game, so you can kind of go off numbers. Thirty one attempt trips, twenty six TDs, two six field goals. So they're not quite as proficient as. Fresno State because Fresno State's been down there 13 more times in the red zone. I mean, I think this is a game where it's going to be all or nothing. I would be very surprised if you see more than like one or two chip shot field goal attempts. So what would you say is chip shot within the uh, within 30 yards? Oh, 30, you think 30 yards chip shot for a college kicker? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah, cl- I mean, I, I think I think if it's more than 30 yards, these teams are going to be aggressive. Also, did you know ticket sales are not too spicy for this game either? Really? They are. I'm looking over at the um, Idaho Statesman. At this moment, this was put up um, last night. November, sorry, not last night. November 7th, I should mention the date. Um, schools reported that nearly 29,000 tickets have been sold as of noon Wednesday. That's um, 7,000 until capacity of 36,387. Hmm. They expecting walk-up sales? I'm sure people will show up. All right, they better show up, right? Yes. This is the best home game of the year for them, right? For for Boise State. Well, they they get Utah State too. Let's not forget about that. At the moment, sorry, they get San Diego State too. So at 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 the moment, this is the best home game. So what's your prediction? Because it's two and a half line favor Fresno, fifty four over under. Matt, is this year Fresno, who has a good team, actually beats Boise State? So actually, I'm going to give it a little bit of context first. S&P Plus mm-hmm. has this at uh, Fresno State 33, Boise State 24. Ooh. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. You know, I said back in August that it was going to be within three points. And, you know, I, I stand by that. Ooh. So I'm going to say Fresno State 27, Boise State 24. It's a close one. Game winning field goal, maybe. Want to go that far? <laughs> oh, Lord, I hope not. <laughs> I'd rather be, if you go that route, be down 24 20 and hit a game, go for a game winning touchdown drive. Uh, really quick, number fire team rankings. They're kind of the similar 30 to 26 number fire, 27, 24 and a half each team rankings. I'm going to go Boise State to lose 24 20. Fresno will All win 24 right. 20. All right. Whew. That's a lot of long game preview. What's up next for Saturday? We got we still got to do more games, right? We're not done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we still got a lot more to do. No, we we are good. Um, no, we'll keep going here. All right, so actually, let me quit, hit pause real quick here, folks. Then we'll be back in a moment. First game on Saturday: New Mexico at Air Force, where quarterback questions are surrounding this game in full force. Twelve thirty Pacific, one thirty Mountain on CBS Sports Network. Air Force. Nearly a two-touchdown favorite, Matt, against the Lobos team who might be starting Colton Gerhardt again, maybe? Uh, he is on the depth chart as the starter, so probably. That's why Bob Davies like, we'll see. That's <laughs> kind of reading what he talked about this week. Um, I guess he had that, he had that list Frank injury so earlier in the year, so he's coming back from that. And so he should be more healthy than last week where he played a bit. But I don't know, man. Lobos, whew, it's a... Uh, it's messy on offense. It's besides Dale, the heart. It's like, come on, get get something going, right? I mean, you know what's really tragic about that, though? What's that? 
is that in recent history, this has been one of the most wildly entertaining offensive games that anybody could watch all year long. <laughs> you think so? I'm just going to give you a reminder of how many points these teams have scored in this game over the last five years. All right, are you ready for this? Go for it. Surprise. So I'm so I'm working backwards to last year. Okay. So, 82, 66, 82, 85, 94. So what you're saying is watch this game. What I'm saying is it's going to be a real crime if New Mexico is not up to the challenge, giving us another wildly entertaining chapter. Can they? That's the thing. I don't know. And what's I mean, what's going to be interesting is that one of the things that really stood out from last week's game is how much pressure the Aztecs were able to get on Colton Gerhardt. They really struggled moving the ball through the air, and a lot of that came down to the fact that San Diego State had six sacks, which is kind of an aberration because no matter who's been under center, New Mexico's been pretty good about protecting the quarterback. I think on the season, they're, the number's only up to 16, but you know Gerhardt in limited time, I think his sack rate right now is about 15%, You know, basically one every six dropbacks or so, which... Obviously, that's not sustainable <laughs> for a working offense. And Air Force doesn't have quite the same talent at linebacker to, to bring that same kind of pressure because that was where the Aztecs really thrived last weekend was you know, Kaiva Tizino and Troy Cassidy really getting after it. But they are just as good up front. So if Jordan Jackson has himself a big game against that front or you know, maybe if he's occupying tacklers while you know, Kyle Johnson or, or Kyle Floyd gets in on the action. That is the kind of thing that could derail that offense early. And, you know, if they're if they're in a situation where they're down and having to catch up against this Air Force offense, good luck. <laughs> can they throw the ball enough to catch up? That yeah, that's an open question. And they're not the throwboys at the moment, are they? <laughs> no. Far no. from it. Uh so yeah, it's I it, the court it's well well, plus it's like the offensive end. It's a mess. Like a mess. It's not. We've. It's like a broken record. They're not running as well as they have Tyron Owens or whomever is going to be under center. Like when you see what these teams have or this team, excuse me, like what Lobos have done. Like when Gerhardt played last week, they were playing San Diego State, and they that game was. Give him credit. His only interception was that one at the very very end of the game when they're trying to come from behind. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they made thirty one twenty three, but he was only nine of twenty. And so I know the defense for Air Force is not as good as San Diego State, but even if he's 50% better, that's not that good. And so I, what it, New Mexico is going to rely on, if, they, if assuming they go with him because they still could play, Sherryon Jones. Like, I don't, I don't see a difference between, between the two. I, like, I do, sorry, because Jones can throw more accurate. But as for production-wise... I don't think he's going to make all that much. I would lean Jones if he's healthy to play because we know we've seen him. Yeah, he throws some picks, but he can actually move the ball in the air. Where Gerhardt, we've seen him play last year, seen him play this year. He was better running the ball a little bit when he had those opportunities. And unless they tweak the offense, I would go with Jones to if they need – because you're right, if they're if they're behind early, like they're down 21-10, 28-14, that's a big enough gap where they're going to need somebody who can actually throw the ball down the field and not try to run a lot or make these short passes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that Gerhardt is or whoever ends up with more time under center. They are going to have to be the guy to be the catalyst, especially early on 
because one of the things that the Lobos have really struggled with recently is just getting off to a fast start. And if you look at success rate over the last four games, which if you're not familiar with Bill Connolly's work, first of all, you should. Um, but success rate is basically just 50% of the yards you need on first down, 70% on second down, or 100% on third or fourth down. In the last four weeks, in the first quarters of games, they haven't cracked 37%. On the season, they're averaging 42% overall, which leads me to believe that you know we've seen them get behind and have to kind of charge hard in the second half to rally. Like we saw it against Liberty, for instance. We saw it a little bit against Colorado State and things like that. And maybe some of that has to do with the caliber of defense that they've played in the past few weeks. Like they ran through a buzzsaw in, in October with Fresno State, Utah State, and San Diego State all in a row. Um, obviously, Air Force maybe isn't on that same level. And they've shown a propensity to giving up big plays through the air, especially early in games. By opponents' passer rating, in the first half of games, the Falcons are next to last in the conference. So if Gerhardt can find a rhythm early, if he can attack down the field with Delane Hart Johnson, we've seen him make big plays here and there. Yeah, he's a good receiver. He's a he's a good I mean he's very he's good. one of those guys very good at getting those 50-50 balls down the field. So if they can get the ball in his hands, pick up big chunks of yards early, get in the end zone early, get a lead against this Falcons team, they're going to have a good chance. So let's go to the Air Force offense now. All right. So I'm reading what um, top secret head coach security clearance infinity Troy Calhoun has to say. <laughs> um, so who's gonna start quarterback? Well, we gotta watch it. We gotta watch practice this week, guys. You know how it is. We gotta watch the reps. Anybody who watched last week's game should know: one, Donald Hammond the third is healthy; two, he's a better quarterback than anybody else on the team, Isaiah Sanders or Aaron Worthman. Well, Sanders are through the int against Army, right? Because uh, yeah, I remember they had yes. to have the lone turnover, and that was just a that was a bad throw. Yeah, Worthman didn't play. I just mentioned because all three are okay or good enough, I'd say. But mm-hmm. Hammond should be the guy, like especially for him coming in at the half. Had he not played last week, or maybe came in for a couple plays, you know what I mean? Maybe there'd be a question if he should play due to health. But he played that whole half. He's healthy. Put him in there. That's your best chance to win because we've seen what he could do running the ball, passing the ball. He's the guy. Like he had did, I, shoot. I should pull it up. Didn't he have two hundred yards and a half last week? Something like that. I think so. Yeah. It was quite a bit through the air, and that's a dimension Air Force never has. So if I'm Calhoun, which I'm not, but I'm just saying, go with the guy who nearly had to come back victory last week for you. Might as well, right? Have him play. Like he started twice. Yeah, he's had an injury. He's came in. He's played four of the past six games, and Hammond just seems to be the better guy. You know what I mean? Like for what he can do. Oh, sorry. Uh, let me rephrase that. He was 7-15 for 120. I think a prior week he had 200 yards or something. But two touchdown scoring drives and after scoring zero points in the first half to lose 17-14. So clearly he moves the ball. He passes the ball well. He has a command of the offense. Players like him, relatively speaking, more when he moves better on the field because Sanders was just 5-7 and, and with a pick against Army. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a, I'm thinking it's that's what they should go with, right? Like, is there any question to you why should, they should go with somebody else? Well, I mean, I think if you step back and take a look at the whole picture, I mean, Sanders does have a better completion rate. You know, their yards per completion is pretty similar. Um, 
you know, but his yards per attempt are a little bit better than Hammond's, you know, and as far as yards per carry is concerned, he's averaging over a yard more per carry than Hammond is on the ground too. So, I mean, I don't know if it's quite as clear cut. I think I, if, I just think they play better. If it's if it was if it was me, I would probably go back and start Sanders. Ooh, interesting. I just think watching when Hammond plays, like maybe I'm just looking at last week, but Sanders did nothing. Hammond comes in and nearly leads him to a comeback victory. But I think that no matter who ends up under center, the one thing they're going to have to avoid is bad turnovers. Because when I was doing research, I, I ended up writing the article that covers both teams, so be on the lookout for that. But here's a very fun fact for you. Do you happen to know where the Lobos rank in takeaways right now in the Mountain West? Probably pretty good because really, really quick before you give me the answer versus San Diego State, I think they had multiple turnovers and had the ball like deep in Aztecs territory multiple times. That's why it was so close. So right now they're third in the conference in takeaways. <laughs> Ironically third? enough, they only, they only trail Utah state and Fresno state. That's pretty good. Which obviously those two defenses are playing out of their minds all, all throughout the year, which is really funny because the only reason they have a minus two turnover margin is because the offense is dead last as far as giveaways yeah, they've turned the ball over 30 times, but they've created 18 takeaways. So I think if air force can avoid those kind of dumb mistakes that they had last week, that is going to be another thing that gives them an advantage. Interesting. No, that's a good point. I, cause this game itself, let's get to our predictions here in a second. Here's one other thing to mention as well, which is kind of a big deal. New Mexico is sitting at three and six as are Air Force as is they, Air Force? They, as is Air Force, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They yeah. both have the same record both yeah. overall and in conference um, play. So this game, like Lobos technically have a chance for a bowl game. Just saying. Technically. They have enough games left. If they win versus Air Force, they beat Boise State and Wyoming. They're going to a bowl game. However, Air Force, more realistically, Air Force is 3-6. and six. They have a shot at five games to get to the top, R, M, or not NPR, um, APR to get in so winning this game is key they could win out possibly but this is a key for either team whatever we can kind of joke about Lobos having a chance against uh, Boise or even Wyoming to get the bowl game loser almost assuredly is out of a bowl game pretty much yeah Boy, New Mexico for sure Air Force it's going to be real tough to win those final two games alright so prediction time it's 13 and a half which seems way too much for Air Force right can we agree on that at least yeah I think that's yeah that's why, why do you think it's a two touchdown line real quick why is that the case uh, because New Mexico's looked hopeless on defense. Not last week, man. I don't know. They were pretty good last week, I'd say. They've been very up and down this year. That's a good way to put it right there. Uh, all right, so what's your um, – you start off this time. What's your prediction or what's S&P Plus say? So S&P Plus has it at Air Force 33, New Mexico 25. Okay, touchdown, plus two. So they, so they do have the Lobos and the points. Um, I think there's going to be a little more offense than that. But I would probably take the Lobos and the points, too. I'm going to say Air Force 40, New Mexico 30. That's a lot of points. You think it's going to be continue the trend? Yeah, I think so. Maybe under- may like, may like a mini version of what we've seen the last few years. Over-under is just 56 and a half. Take the over. <laughs> take the over, yeah. That's a good point. Um, really quick, number fire has a blowout. Wow. 39 to 20 for, for Air Force. And then so- team rankings 36 to 22. So who you got? I got Air Force to win. New Mexico's going to cover. I think it's going to be like, uh, what What was your score again? I don't want to repeat that. 
Mine was 40 to 30. I think it'll be like 38-23. All right. So still a lot of points. Oh, no, I can't. No, um, no, I can't say that. I apologize. Because I think New Mexico will be closer than that. I will go 38-30. Sounds good. There we go. I have to get it right, don't I? (laughs) Good job. Good job. Thank you. I can do math, I think. All right, next game is Utah State-San Jose State. Aggies win by 40 points. Moving on. Next game. No. Uh, is this a, is this really a um, shoot? I don't have my college press box up. Is this a Facebook game? Uh, it is. We have San Jose State at Utah State. Two. It is a Facebook uh, game. I can't confirm. There's no excuses for the community not to watch this game because everybody and their mother has Facebook. There are over a billion people that have Facebook. No excuses. That committee is thirteen. The odds of them having Facebook. So. What is that? One in five people in the world have it, but in the U.S. there's probably more accounts. There's probably, I guarantee, there's more personal accounts than people in the U.S. Everybody's got to share that link with the college football playoff. Like you have to tag them on Facebook, tag them on Twitter, be like, "Hey, the game's right here. It's free to watch." And the committee Twitter is um, called what is it? At CFB Playoff. And then you can hashtag CFB Playoff as well, right? Yes, you can. So do that because this game, okay, Utah State. Okay, I, I know Coach Matt Wells a little bit. Chatted with him a few times here and there. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> they, they He doesn't want to. He doesn't care about rankings. He cares about winning, which is he's taking their attitude. He can be a little miffed. He knows his guys. They look at the rankings. They're not, like, blind to say, oh, we're, we're, we know we're 8-1. We're a pretty good team. Oh, we're ranked 14th. Cool. But what do we got this week in front of us? It's all the old coach stuff. Like, yeah, keep it going. Don't look too far ahead. Stay focused. And like, I'm serious, like, did we mention the line's 31 and a half or 31? Uh, we did not, but okay. now we have. Just for those who are wondering, I think we mentioned earller it's 31, 31 point favorite for the Aggies. But he's been doing the right thing because you want to build depth, get guys playing time, third quarter, midway, starters come out, backups come in, they still do fine because last week versus Hawaii, they still scored 28 points with the backups in there, throughout mixed in throughout both sides of the ball. Do they... Do you think they need to keep the starters in the long run? Like, I, I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm kidding. Should they try to win like 75 to nothing to get in this game? Like, what would it take to get a, a reaction to get them ranked? I know San Jose State's not very good, despite they, just for their credit, as you've liked them quite a bit this year, they've been overachieving a little bit. They've been playing fairly well outside of last week, pretty good. Like they've been, they've been improving. So while it's 30, 31 point line, they're not, they're going to be sort of a pushover, but they are a team that has been showing some signs of life occasionally. Yeah. Should Utah state just thrust it and score as many points as possible? Like what would, if they win a hundred to zero, would that do anything? (laughs) I mean, I would hope so. Like if they're just, if they're just playing their game and not doing anything fancy and just shoving for 60 minutes, then I would, I would hope that it would. I mean, it's just, I'm going to tell you the same thing I said last week. The answer is yes. They have to do everything they can because, you know, the, the strength of schedule, the strength of schedule isn't doing them any favors. So they have to make the best of it. And the best thing you can do is win by as many points as you can. You know what they got to do? Not pull what UCF does and keep making games interesting in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Which they are not outside of the Wyoming game. See so what can, what concerns me about this game thinking about San Jose State is you know a couple of weeks ago they did a pretty good job of defending against the run and I think on the season 
that has been one of their strengths. You know, by rushing S&P, they're maybe a little bit below the national average. They rank 81st overall. But, you know, they're right around that average as far as opponent's opportunity rate, which, again, is just how many yards, how many times uh, are opponents getting more than those first five yards. And they're right around the average as far as stop rate, which is just plays stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. But they had a rough week last week against Wyoming when they knew exactly what was coming, you know, against Nico Evans and Sean Chambers. So my biggest concern, which, you know, if I'm Utah State, I exploit this as much as I can. We've seen what Darwin Thompson and Gerald Bright can do. And more and more, we've seen what their backups can do, too. <laughs> you know, so if they choose to see the field sometime in the third or fourth quarter, you know, it would not surprise me if that's something that the Aggies elect to do is to just run the football right at Spart- right at the Spartans and say, see if you can stop us. They can't, right? Well, that's the thing. They might be able to, or they might not, because we've seen it For both ways. Most mo- we've seen it both ways over the last few weeks. You know, because like I said, they defended well against Lexington Thomas. They didn't quite defend so well against Nico Evans. But how well they, how well they do in that regard, is going to make a big difference. Yeah, you know, because we've seen we've seen too like they've been able to create turnovers through the air. So maybe if they can force Jordan Love into a lot of third and long situations, maybe they can do something with it. That's a I don't know. Um, I would say this about the running attack. Um, yes, Nico Evans is amazing. Um, Lexington Thomas has fallen off. The combo of these two guys is probably better than even Nico Evans doing it himself, just because you have two separate guys. So maybe they make a few plays here and there, but eventually I'm going to have to say that Utah State's running game is going to break through, even if they're stymied for, say, a quarter. Like, would Utah State fans be disappointed if it's only 17-3 to at the first quarter? Uh, well, maybe, <laughs> considering the way that the first quarters have gone recently. So, like, there's not we don't need to spend a million minutes on this game. So that's is that your one main concern for Utah State is that maybe – Spartans can stop the running game, force them to throw, and maybe and with their secondary being pretty good, get some turnovers and maybe get a ten extra points than you thought they would. Yeah, I mean, if especially if they can force Love into a mistake, like we've seen them return, I think what one or two pick sixes this year for touchdowns. Like so that. I mean, we we've seen this defense step up before. Like they gave the Aztecs a pretty good game a few weeks ago, for instance. They you know managed to hang on. You know, and take Hawaii to five overtimes by making plays on defense. So, I mean, it's kind of a big if, but that I think is going to be the way that they survive. And then, of course, on offense, Josh Love is just going to have to do better than he did last week against Wyoming because he just, he, just, I mean, he didn't do enough down the field, and that is where the Spartans really, excuse <laughs> me, really thrive is creating those big plays. Is this Utah State defense better than Wyoming? Do you think? Yes. So they're going to struggle then. <laughs> there, there's, like I said, there's a lot of ifs involved, but those are the things that have to happen if the Spartans want to keep it close. Okay, so prediction-wise here, let's just go with that because this game's going to be an Aggies victory. There's no question about it, I would say. Uh, really quick number fire says 49-10. Uh, team ranking 48-17. Here's a weird thing about this game. Take the over because it's a 31-point 31 31 line. But, Matt, the over-under is just 65. Interesting. That means they're looking like, what, a 45-15 game? 45-20 game? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 
for 50 to 20, whatever. I'm going to say my prediction. I'm going to say Utah State 50, uh, 56 to 6. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I think that's mostly owing to garbage time kinds of things. Um, I, too, would take the Aggies in the points. I'm going to say Utah State 56, San Jose State 17. Okay. All right. Also, quick note, Utah State has covered every line but two this year. Interesting. And the two they didn't cover, it was, a, it was minus 27 BYU. They won by 25. Minus 13.5 Wyoming, they won by 12. Hmm. They're basically been, if you're betting Wyoming, bet them to win, cover. All right. Free money, right? I guess if you want to take my picks or our picks or line or trends. All right, next game real quick. Uh, UNLV at San Diego State. Um, this game kicks at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, local time in Aztecs. And, hey, Aztec fans, ESPN2 game at home. That's a shocker. What's going on? I thought CBS <laughs> Sports Network was the home of Aztecs football. I've been saying that all year. Apparently not. They uh, I'm I'm confused. No, be, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there must be another night game because the other game we're going to talk about is on ESPNU. So, unless they have Monster Truck or Pro Bowl, Pro PBR or something, I don't know what's going mm. on evening. Uh, but that game, Lions only fifty four points. Over under is twenty two and a half. Um, UNLV, or excuse me, San Diego State should be getting back Christian Chapman and Juwan Washington in complete status, one hundred percent cleared. They Washington- are both atop the depth chart. Okay. Because Washington had that big 50-yard run for a touchdown to seal the victory against New Mexico. I think he had 90 yards on the day. Chapman came in second half, looked pretty good. So they're going to start. And then as for UNLV, Armani Rodgers was technically healthy, listed as number two quarterback last week, did not play, and the Rebels brought in the third, number three quarterback to see time. So I have no clue what he's going to do. Well, he's also listed as the number two quarterback again this week behind Max Gilliam. Yeah. Is Max Gilliam? How many limbs is he going to lose in this game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th- I thought I thought that last year's game was lopsided. Oh boy, buckle up! <laughs> I mean, yeah, even if even if San Diego State scuffles on offense, I really don't see UNLV moving the football all that much. I this okay. Here's the thing about you San Diego State UNLV. Besides, they pretty much hate each other, right? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. More specifically in basketball. But here's – I like this headline. UNLV – this is from Las Vegas Sun. I know this is a quote part of it. UNLV still has, quote, whole lot to play for. Matt, what do they have to play for when they have not won a conference game and already eliminated from bowl eligibility? What? Tell me what are they playing for besides pride. Uh, you, can't, you can't cop out and say pride. Well, the Fremont Cannons in a few weeks. Okay. Sure. What about this game? Is there? A... They also they also have the uh, the Ninth Island rivalry with Hawaii next week. Okay. We, we failed to mention the Milk Can in the Boise Fresno game. Apologies. Yeah. But, what, uh, but I mean, like, in this in this game, I really don't know. I get it. It's like okay, you still you don't want to just roll over a play. You still want to play good guys. Are going to be back next year, but uh, something about the senior class got to win it for these guys. All that blah blah blah. Um, I. Like, if they're going to win, you know, it has to be Lexington Thomas has to come out and play his best game of the year. And if Jillian is the guy at quarterback, he's shown to be okay. Like, we've seen him be reasonably good at times. Like, he has. We've seen him be reasonably good. We've seen him be reasonably good against suspect defenses, though. (laughs) San Diego State is decidedly not a suspect defense. Because Fresno State last week was 48 to 3, wasn't even close. 
he had only 98 yards and completed 14 passes. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess Charles Williamson he had a good game last week versus UNL, or versus uh, Fresno on Rebels roster with 121. Maybe he him in the combo of Thomas can do something, but the only reason to make, if you wonder like why is this a big line? Why is Aztecs favorite or by as much or what's the deal? Because last week, hey folks, you guys dummies, New Mexico nearly beat them. Yeah, turnover things. Maybe that's what they do because like I said, Rebels or excuse me, Lobos got the ball deep in the Aztecs territory and scored I think every time off a turnover. Mm-hmm. If you, and they still lost the game. If UNLV does that, maybe they have a chance, but they're not going to win this game. UNLV is ready, getting ready for next year, and maybe that's why Rodgers is the number two, and he's not going to play the rest of the year. He's just there just in case. Because if he was healthy last week, why doesn't he play? I get two things. He was healthy last week. He was on the roster number two guy. I get not starting him right away because, hey, it's the first game back. It was a foot-toe injury. He runs a lot. You're on your feet all day. You're quarterback. You're throwing the ball, plant foot, all that stuff. But then he gets passed over for the third quarterback. Why would he play much this game if it gets a much better team? Well, no, sorry. Let me. Sorry, they played first. No, apologies. A team that's as good defensively in the same ballpark. A well, team, I think... an equal footing team. Why would you? You know what I mean? Like, what's the? Why would? Why would you see him play this week if he didn't play last week? Well, and I think that to that end, like we've already seen them make moves to try to get some of the young guys that they brought in the last couple of years more playing time. You know, they they benched Nathan Jacobson, their left tackle for Justice Oluwasan, uh, who's a redshirt freshman. I think he was either he was a pretty solid three star guy in last year's recruiting class. So he's going to be projecting Gilliam's blindside. We've already seen Tyler Collins carve out some playing time for himself. You know, maybe they give Charles Williams more responsibility because he's only a sophomore after missing last year. So I think that maybe that's what they're they're using this these last few weeks as kind of a measuring stick to see what these young guys can do. Because even if it's not pretty in the present, you know, they've been recruiting pretty well relative to how they've done historically. And if they can just show that they can be competitive, which Again, against San Diego State's defense is easier said than done. This is still a team that has a lot of pieces coming back next year. So that, I think, is maybe the justification for some of these moves that they're making. I just don't think it's going to be particularly pretty this week. Yeah, I just – maybe they're playing for next year. Maybe that's what we need to rip out to play for. I don't know. I just think – whatever. They're not going to win. They, if they're playing for the future, that's fine. Tony Sanchez better hopes he's around for the future next year, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did you happen to listen to one of the recent episodes of podcasting at Played Nobody? I have not listened to that in a little while. What they, were they talking about with Sanchez? Well, they were talking about just, you know, coach job openings that are likely or might be opening sometime in the near future. Right. And both Stephen Godfrey and Bill Connolly made the case as, I think it was Ed Graney of the Las Vegas, I forget which paper he writes for. Is it the Sun or the Review Journal? Ed Graney. Had tried to lay, he had tried to lay out the case that they need to be patient because this year just happened to be kind of a lost year. I that made would, that case. That would, Did he listen to me on ESPN, whatever, Las Vegas radio talking about that? Come on, Ed. No, maybe. I have no idea because I've made the but, same case as well. Like, well, sorry. Go but ahead. that, that you can't forget what the Rebels were able to do in September as something to look forward to. And like I mentioned a minute ago, the fact that they have so many pieces coming back next year is something to build upon. But you can't do that if you're constantly shuffling head coaches in and out. Can I pull pour cold water over his look at September? 
Sure. Okay. You played USC, 43-21. Not close. Fourth quarter, UNLV was, was outclassed, outperformed, down 24-7. They were close due to a couple trick plays to keep them in that game. Mm-hmm. Then they beat UTEP, who finally won their first game of the year last week. And, like, what? Did they have a 20-game losing streak, 30-game losing streak, something pretty bad? I think so, yeah. And then they beat Prairie View A&M. How the heck is that in September to, oh, look back and be positive? And they lost to a, a pretty good Arkansas State team by a touchdown. That's, that's fine. But, like, what is there really to look back and say, look how good we were in September when they were 2-2? Two and two. Well, and the they, defense the defense was a lot tougher true. in September than they have been recently. And that is really the thing that's held them back because they've given up at least 40 points in each of the last five weeks. They're averaging, yeah, 40, 50 points a game. They're giving up exactly 50 points a game defensively. So, I mean, if Juwan Washington comes out and runs for 150 yards in his first Half? full game action back, um, that's not going to be surprising. Like, I, I get their stuff to look at, but to say they're look at September, like, really? I get it. You got to look for something. But also, I get it, Roger. But I made that same point. Like, keep him around because Kentucky kept Stoops around. Look what they're doing now. They're finally, we kind of joked earlier, but they're not the laughing stock of the SEC. They're actually competitive. And if things fall the right way, they could be in the New York Six game. Because of well, whatever, and I'm and I'm just going to point out that you know after starting the year 104th by S and P plus after four weeks, they had climbed to 90th, which may not sound like much, but you know that's a lot better than where they've. But aren't they? That's like a lot better than right now. Aren't they 108? Right now they're 114th. Yeah. This, okay. Cool. So that's what I'm saying. I think that there are <laughs> things to build upon there, but you know obviously the offense has got to coalesce and, and try and keep up with San Diego State. And the defense just has to stop Jawan Washington and Chase Jasmine. Like, but but recent history kind of suggests that they won't. This game, a couple things. Um, the coach thing, like I said, keep him. Like, why not keep him for eight? Because he's he's signed through twenty twenty one. Keep him for like at least seven years. Because why? Like, what is UNLV's um, expectations? Like, go to a bowl game once a decade, essentially, almost. That's what they've been doing, if that. So why not keep a guy? Like, why rotate a coach every four to five years? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a situation where patience is needed. Yeah, because high school, yes, best high school program in the country, or top five at worst, comes in, maybe needs a better staff around him. But I think part, a lot of his Rodgers being hurt really hurt them. And then the defense just falling off the – and also, don't they have a new D.C. this year, right? Tim Skipper, yeah. yeah like, come on, what's the deal, Skipper? Um, he'll stick around, but there's no – this game, it's like – let me real quick. I think this game could be like last week because it was funny. I read um, when I was doing I was doing the recap show, they called some guy from Las Vegas the son, which he's not wrong, but it's just hilarious mm-hmm. that the forty-eight to three drubbing against Fresno State was closer than the final score indicated. <laughs> no, I no, looked, I watched I watched that full game. It was not. Here's why I can, I'd say I could say maybe I see your point. Maybe if I get my magnifying glass out. It's because it was like a slow build up to a butt kicking. Like seventeen like it wasn't all thirty points right away. It was consistently beating them down. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I think like maybe like if you look really optimistic, but like no, you still lost by forty five points. Yeah. You were not yes, you weren't down twenty eight zero or thirty five zero quickly and they let up. It was just okay, first quarter points, points. It was consistently scoring points. We mixed him with a couple stops here and there. But you yep. still almost gave up fifty, so it's like no. Um I think Washington will be fine. Chapman will be fine. Aztecs should win big because also Aztecs have a lot to play for. 
They That's true. They They're still out, in it. If they went out, they will be in the Mountain West title game. So pick time. 22.5 point favorite for the Aztecs. Over-under is a 54.5. Really quick, number fire, 40 to 13. Team rankings, 40 to 15. I predicted, I have pulled up my spreadsheet here to fill up my picks. Aztec, I have Aztecs winning. I might change this because I, I initially put Rebels to cover, but I'm going to change that. There's no way. It's going to be, well, because Aztecs don't score many points, but I'm going to say it's going to be 40 to 17. Barely cover. All right. I think that UNLV will cover. Uh, I'm going to say it's, it's not going to be particularly close, though. <laughs> no. um, Aztecs 27, Rebels 10. Interesting. That's not up any points. That's also the under. Sounds about right. Okay. All right. Do we have one, we have one more game here? We do. This game outside of Boise, New Mexico. Uh, oh, geez, not New Mexico. Boise, uh, Fresno. This could be the most interesting game of the day. That's true. Colorado State at Nevada, ESPNU, 730 Pacific. So get the multi-screen out. Get the uh, Watch ESPN app on your computer. Get your TV up going. Or if you have two TVs, go fancy. I don't know. I don't know what your setup is. Do it. Whatever it takes. Uh, yes, I watched Wally on my phone last week because you have to. 14-point favorite is Nevada. Seems a bit spicy. I keep saying spicy. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, did I, I, did, I had Mexican food yesterday. Is that it? I don't know, Matt. Uh, but it could be. Two touchdown line for Nevada. Nevada quietly is becoming one of the hottest teams in the conference. This is a benchmark game for the Wolfpack. Yes, because they could meet... Didn't you? Didn't you and I both predict eight wins for them? Uh, I think I had them at seven and five. Um, I I was the one that backed UNLV over Nevada. Oh, that's right. Okay, so but, but, but we won't talk about that right now. Oh man, hey, you can't, Matt. You cannot foresee injuries. It's okay. Give yourself a break. <laughs> but you know they're another team that you know very slowly is kind of climbing those S and P rankings. Like before the year, I just want to throw this out there because I think it's interesting. Before the year, they were ranked one hundred and seventh. And right now, would their 84th, which might not sound like much, but this is a team that's starting to put together more complete games on both sides of the football. Hey, that's a, like a 30% jump. Come on. That's nothing. It that's is. Not nothing. Yeah. And so this is a team, this Colorado State team, that's beatable. Very. You know, they, like they, had, they didn't really improve all that much with Colin Hill under center against Wyoming last week. And maybe the Nevada defense isn't quite on Wyoming's level. I think you could make an argument maybe either way. Mm, I think you're stretching to say that. but uh, I mean, I think that they definitely have some strengths. Yeah, but, I mean, this is, this is an opportunity where like, you want to see the pass rush take a step forward. And maybe we should mention that this is this is a pass rush that's going to be without Corey Rush for the rest of the year. He's out, I think, what is it, a broken foot or something like that? I'm not sure the specifics. I think it's some leg or foot injury, I believe, but you're right. So, I mean, that's going to hurt. But, you know, they're bringing in Sam Hammond, a sophomore, who I think was another three-star guy from uh, a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he's going to be taking over that spot. So maybe they aren't quite at 100% anymore, but this is a winnable game for the Wolfpack on both sides of the ball. So I think if they can go out and take care of business like they have the last couple of weeks, they should win this one pretty comfortably. Well, that's they're a 14-point favorite, so... Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of strikes me as being very similar to the Hawaii game. Why so? Well, because, I mean, we talked about it last week. Obviously, the Warriors are off this weekend. Mm-hmm. But we talked about kind of Hawaii's new normal on offense. And 
I, I don't know that Colorado State is necessarily dealing with the same kind of thing, but they haven't really been that impressive on offense throughout the year. Like, obviously, Preston Williams is making highlight catches here and there, but they, too, are going to be missing a key component. Ola B.C. Johnson, I believe, is out this weekend. Um, That's unfortunate. Yeah, and so even though the Wolfpack are losing Cora Rush on defense, I think that losing Johnson on offense for the Rams matters more. So... I mean, I don't think that they're going to be able to be as consistent as they want to be on offense. And I'm talking about Colorado State. I just think that Nevada has a talent advantage. And with the way that they've been playing recently, they should be able to keep the Rams bottled up. Yeah, especially them Johnson. And the running game has been not what we thought it would be all year. Not to kind of harp on that again. But the running game hasn't been consistent for what we thought it would be. Yeah. Maybe it could be um, because Nevada's rush defense is still – they're okay. They're not as bad as we thought they would be, but they're not terrible. Like what they were what, year, year, last year, two years ago, they're still a middle of the pack. Not great. They're still giving up. Here's the thing. While the yards per game is not great, they're actually pretty, they're actually above average in yards per play allowed at like 3.6. Mm-hmm. So there's that to look forward to, which is which means they'll have some success. And then the Rams will have some success as well. Either each side will be a push and pull a little bit. And um, they haven't allowed that many touchdowns, only 11 all year. That's his fourth in the conference. So, And, and the Wolfpack have only allowed nine plays on the ground of more than 20 yards. That's a big deal. That's pretty good for a brush defense that's slowly improving. It is. So if, without Johnson, are they going to give his – just going to be a Preston Williams show the whole night, whole afternoon, whole evening, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock? I mean, I think that they need their other weapons to show up. Like, I'm I'm still a big fan of Warren Jackson, even though he hasn't broken out quite like I thought he has, or like quite like I thought he would, rather. And Cameron Butler can still make a difference, you know, if they can get him down the field. So I think it's going to be an interesting test because it's not like Colorado State is all of a sudden devoid of talent, but we've seen them be very up and down throughout the year. So what would I don't know. So what about the Rams defense then? Because Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I gotta we gotta bring it up. Come on, you can't uh, I, mean, I know that we have to. That is an, that is an accurate description of the defense, right? I mean I'm just thinking that, you know, if there's anything that's gonna break this game wide open, it's the it's the Wolfpack offense versus this defense. Wolfpack offense is only did you know Hawaii still averages uh more yards per play than them than Nevada? I did not know that. They're Nevada's just total offense and yards per play, they're 5.95, which is fine. However, when you look a bit further, you go to wins, 6.69. I mean, this is a a defense that, as we just talked about a moment ago with San Jose State, like like they they knew what was coming when they played Wyoming two weeks ago, and they could not stop it. Yeah. Uh, And and also they got blitzed by Brett Rippon. And also they got blitzed by Josh Love. So I really don't see any reason why Tit, why Ty Ganji and, and company would not be able to do the same thing. Like even if they're even if they manage to bottle up Toatawa, who has been a little quieter recently, mm-hmm. yeah. Even if they manage to contain him a little bit, I really don't see how they're going to get enough pressure on Ganji to make a difference. No, I. So I'm starting to lean that 14 points might be accurate. What would what would make you say well for me, to make it a close game without with Johnson being out, which I didn't realize till now, it's a big deal. 
for me, for it to be close to like to either cover or win, two things have to happen. Pretty simple. The running game has to be good, which there is potential against this Nevada defense to be at least above average. Um, and the defense has to – they're not going to stop McLean Mannix. They're not going to really stop Ty Gange all that much. But do what New Mexico did last week. Get some turnovers if they can and give your offense some short fields. That's how they're going to, at worst, keep it close and maybe even win. But I don't see that happening. I think the one big thing is that Colorado State desperately needs a pass rush because you know their production on the year has actually been very strange. Uh, in September, they had two sacks in five or August and September rather. So from Hawaii all the way through the Illinois state game, five games, two sacks when conference play rolled around for, for real in October, they had six sacks against San Jose state, which is a huge reason why they were able to hold off the Spartans. They had three against New Mexico. And the, and even though they got blitzed by Boise state, they still had three against the Broncos and maybe some of it has to do with the fact that Wyoming only threw the ball like what seven times <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah. They need that pass rush to bounce back, especially coming off of a bye week. And so I'm really looking for someone like Ellison Hubbard, who, you know, he's had moments here and there. You know, he has six tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, which leads the team. If he can step up, you know, watching him on the on the blind side against Nevada's offensive line, Jake Nelson, that I think is going to be one matchup to watch because it, you know, Nevada's done a very good job of projecting, excuse me, protecting Ganji all season long. His sack rate is only two percent. the uh, The Rams' pass rush is not necessarily a strength of theirs, and so if they get pushed around up front, it's going to be over really early. But if they can hang in there and make some plays force some three and outs or at least some, you know, aborted five or six play drives, that is going to give the offense a fighting chance. All right. So how, what do you think the outcome is going to be? Well, S and P plus has it at, uh, let me see where it's at. Uh, they have it at Nevada 39, Colorado state 24. Um, I think it's kind of going to develop into a shootout, maybe not quite to the level of last year's 44 to 42 game. But I do think that the Nevada is going to have enough to win, if not necessarily cover. I'm going to take the Rams and the points. I'm going to say Wolfpack 35, Rams 31. Think it'll be that close? I think so. Hmm. I think there'll be a decent amount of points because really quick number fire 39-23 team rankings 40-25 and a half over under 65 which sounds about right I think it'll be oh man I want to say like Nevada can get to like 40 points but I'm not too confident in that because they've only done that once this year twice it would, no three times they got 40 exactly once oh once in the loss to Toledo 44 so I can't go I don't think I should go that high but I think it'll be like I don't. I think it'll be thirty-eight twenty-one because I think CSU will score some points. So I'll have to take Nevada to win and get those pesky points. All right. Even though that means I need to change my pick in my spreadsheet here, Matt. Let me fix that. Right now. <laughs> I had to make two changes already because I made those earlier in the week after talking. I'm like, Oberside Johnson being out, make had to have to make that pick change, right? You can't keep it the same. I don't. I would think so. No. All right. Anything else we need to add? Because we've gone a lengthy well we got an hour we're good we know we do just over an hour people enjoy i think we're all set watch all the games this week as much as you can you have there's only there's only five of them 
and yeah, one's yeah, Friday night. No excuses. One's Friday night, and there's a decent gap. One's on Facebook. So remember, tag the playoff committee, folks. Every hi- every highlight. Instead of tagging the committee, I will see who's on the committee because I know who some of them are, which we should easily find. Let's find their Twitter handles as well, right? So what they you do, can't they can't block us all. <laughs> also, what you do, um, don't just tag them. Do you know how to do a photo tag? Uh, yes. So it makes a clean tweet and not a. Sorry, people. If you tag us, let ten people, and there's a photo. I shake my head. Come on. Um, <laughs> some people, some people do not allow you to add their handle and a photo, which makes sense on some level. But if they do allow that, I'll tweet out who the people who they are. Tag them as well. We should just make like one big thread, right? Oh yeah. Just um, let them be aware because Aggies, come on. I know, Matt. I know you'd want your you want your Fresno State team to play in the not in the uh, not playoff. That'd be awesome. But the uh, big money bowl game, but. We got to get two teams ranked, right? At least. Definitely, we got to. All right, so check out all of our stuff on that. We'll have uh, you'll have your prediction early early in the week Monday. We have all our typical Sunday stuff. Our your what winners and losers. I'll have the bowl stuff out, which apparently people love. So thank you for checking those out. Basketball's here. Go Wolfpack! They beat BYU over the weekend, or to start. Yeah, I guess uh, no. Depends. Go everybody. Six six and one, right? Six and one and. I'm not going to say I going to say about San Jose State, but good luck for beating uh, Life Pacific. Congratulations on the one victory so far. It still counts. It's, it all, they're 1-0. Uh, but, yes, uh, me and Eli doing basketball podcast. Check that out. we got a couple new writers talking hoops. So make sure to – here's what I tell people. Matt, do you um, subscribe to a website like a RSS feed or bookmark anymore? Uh, sort of, yeah. Do people know how to do that still? I would hope so. Bookmark our website because it hasn't, it hasn't gone that far in style, has it? I don't know. I still use the RSS feeder for stuff. RSS reader. I just use bookmarks. I'm an old person, though. I have bookmarks too, but I get too many. It's <laughs> all <So I'm> like <laughs> crap. Uh, I bookmark stuff. I whatever. We don't need to dive into that, but follow our site quite closely because we do so much content and maybe push down. And so don't just go to the homepage. Oh, there. What is this? Read it, obviously. But if you're looking for Boise State stuff, Fresno State, Hawaii. We have team drop-down menus. You can search by football, search by basketball, or week 11 football, there's a tag at the top. A tab, I should say. Click on the tab, week 11 stuff. So just make sure to peruse and hang out on the site. Tell your friend. Again, tune in, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, wherever your fine podcast can be found, we're there. Just search Mount Westwire, and we'll see you Sunday night, folks.